mad thing, mad thing. I'm in a field like Anglo-Saxon. Yes. Joke, man, don't ask my ranking. Nope. Still cool with the kiddies, no ramping. Killy. Cool kid, guys say I look handsome. <laughs> handsome, <laughs> handsome. <laughs> man, I lying on us about tantrums. Yo. Make a boy lay down, no planking. Mm. Make a boy lay down on my celly. Leave you on the deck like Mike Pantelli. TJ on the block, Spinelli. Jen out the pot, yeah, make a spaghetti. Little man on the wing, Martinelli. He was in the field trying to pop his cherry. Rock that steady, sound of the box on your marks, get ready. Southeast steps south west, and now we like steps south east. With Phineas, not Belgique, but with a mop discreet. Free TG, free T, stuck in a box, got a job complete. What's happening, people? Welcome back to another episode of M55s. I'm back again. I am your host, Joanne, and today I've got a lot to speak about, people. I can't lie. This episode is going to sound a little disjointed because I've recorded the different segments at different times, some before others. Hopefully I've managed to cover that up as well as possible. But as always, before we get into the nitty gritty, um, yeah, follow me on socials at Yohanyo on Twitter and Instagram. Follow my band accounts at Communicado Offi on Instagram and uh, Communicado underscore official. Well, wait, sorry. Communicado underscore official on Instagram. Communicado Offi on Twitter. Capiche? All right. So, yeah, I've got the Game Against Wolves to review, Aston Villa preview, Saliba watch, and I've got a deadline day roundup. So, yeah, stay locked in. And as always, I hope you enjoy it. And, yeah, this is for your Friday listening pleasure. So, without further ado, let's get right into the action. All right, so let's start with the game. I mean, what can I say about it? What can I actually say about it? Wolves 2, Arsenal 1, our beaten run comes to an end. And the way things just unfolded after it was going so well, the way it just um, changed so quickly, it was it was a calamity. It really was a calamity. Um, and it's such a shame because, like I said, we're playing very well and... I think on the one hand, we got shafted. But at the same time, I have to look at Arsenal as to how we let the game slip away from us. And I'll get and I'll go into that in a bit more detail as I preview my thoughts on the game and uh, just a rundown of how it happened. But yeah, I'm very disappointed. I'm very, very disappointed because of how well we started, um, the way we were playing, the energy and purpose in our play. I thought that was one of the best, best periods of football. I've seen under Mikel Arteta since he's come in so far. So for the game to shift so dramatically and us not get anything out of the game, very disappointing, really and truly. So yeah, let's let's get into um, the rundown of the game. So yeah, I thought we came out the blocks flying, and uh, we had a bit, we had a very big chance less than a minute in, much like in. Uh, much like against Southampton, where Lacazette has the one-on-one, we had a similar chance, a one-on-one, Bakayo Saka. It's a great ball over the top. First time by Thomas Partey. I thought he was much better today. Like, great ball. Saka gets in between um, Kilman and Cody. And the only thing about it is... Actually, it's not his stronger foot, but uh, it's a very... It's a hard shot to take on the half volley. Saka hits the post and, uh, yeah... We didn't let that deter us. We continued to probe, push men forward. Like I said, lots of energy, purpose in our play, moving the ball quickly. We're being aggressive. We're being direct. I liked what what I was seeing. I liked what I was seeing. It was a good, lively start from us. 
And uh, we were getting we were getting forward well, but the only thing lacking was that clinical touch. And uh, we had a goal disallowed from uh, Bukayo Saka when Lacazette was offside, just in the build up. And this is all happening in the opening ten minutes, and I'm starting to wonder. You know what? We've started well, but will we come to regret these missed chances? Inadvertently, we we did because of what happened afterwards. But um, yeah, I thought um, after a while we had like a good fifteen minutes where Wolves were really struggling to wake up, but uh, they started to get in the game a little bit more. But even then, the threats they were posing were mainly from set pieces. They were... Neto and Adama were getting down the wings and they were forcing corners. And to be fair, we were looking a little bit shaky from them, I must admit. But uh, overall, I thought our pressing was working quite well. But like I said, Wolves were gradually managing to take this thing out of the game. I thought we were doing a good job of restricting the influence of uh, Neves and Matinho. I thought they were struggling to get on the ball because of the good work of Partey and Xhaka. And yeah, like I said, we were creating chances. Pepe hit the post. Well, the post slash bar, I don't know what you want to call it. There were a couple of times where we just we just weren't able to get a shot off because of a good block from maybe Saiz or Cody. But eventually, 10 minutes before the interval, we got the goal we deserved. It's a wonderful goal from Nicola Pepe. He takes on Semedo down the left, just about beats him. I'm not sure how he managed to keep the ball. He manages to beat him. Then he manages to beat Saiz with a nutmeg. And then he calls a shot into the far corner. 1-0 to the Arsenal. And you think from there on, we're just going to push on, kick on. And it's about managing the game, trying to get the second to kill it off. And yeah, it was going... It was going so, so well. 45th minute, I'm thinking. I, I was literally writing my half-time thoughts as all the madness happens. I'm, I'm just, literally just writing. It's been a good half, but we need to put the game to bed. And before I'd even finished writing my sentence, I'm looking up. I'm seeing Wolves get the ball. This is like 30 seconds to go into the half-time whistle. Podence is running through on goal. He's he plays a through ball to William Jose. William Jose goes down. It's a penalty. It's a penalty for Wolves right on the stroke of half time. And David Luiz is sent off now. Before I get onto how fucking stupid the law is, I have to say, Rob Holding, brother, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Seriously, what are you doing? Because he makes two massive mistakes in this sequence of play. One, he backs off Pedence. Why are you not engaging him? And then secondly, he's going the wrong way. He's going the wrong way, and he ends up leaving a massive hole for William Joseph to run into. And he can easily just cut out the passing lane. He can easily cut out the pass if he's not running running the wrong way. But Podence has an easy job. He almost makes up Podence's mind for him as to where he can play the ball. Because realistically, what the fuck else is Podence supposed to do in that scenario? If he doesn't play the ball to William Jose, then what's he going to do? He's just going to try and run at Holding and Bellerin. And the likelihood is that one of them will stop him because... The next nearest runner, I'm not sure if it was maybe Kilman or Neves, can't really can't really remember, but there's no other runner near him. So he's just going to get crowded out if he just cut out the passing lane. But no, what does he do? He leaves a massive space. He plays the ball through. Luis makes contact. It's a penalty. I can't dispute that. But it's also a red card. And now we're in a position where we should have been going into halftime 1-0 up uncomfortable. 
But now we've given away a penalty. We're down to 10 and we're in massive fucking trouble. It's ridiculous. Game management, Arsenal. Come on. Game management. Where is it? It's been a problem all season. We've seen this so many times where we've missed big chances and then we haven't managed the game properly. We saw it against Leicester. We didn't take our chances. We didn't. We failed to spot when the game was starting to go away from us. They brought Jimmy Vardy, Jimmy Vardy, sorry, and we got sucker punched. Aston Villa. They scored the goal within thirty seconds. We didn't. We didn't heed our lessons. We didn't take warnings from that. They battered us three 0 I'm trying to think of other games at the top of my head. Everton. Didn't do a lot, but they stung us right on the stroke of our time we've been stung multiple times at key moments crucial moments in the game and we don't learn our lessons i know the players are coming out now and saying we need to learn but i need to see you putting it in practice for fuck's sake because you're not learning you're just not learning and i wonder if that's a mentality thing or whether that's just their nature and yeah i don't want to get onto the players too tough because like I said, we got shafted. It's a stupid rule. Louise accidentally makes contact. He barely make con he barely makes contact with William Jose, but it's a touch. He brings him down. It's a penalty. It's a red card because he's not going for the ball. But it's stupid. It's really, really stupid, people. I can see that that shouldn't be a red card. Everyone in the media can see that that's not a red card, but you'll get every ex-referee brucking their back to protect to protect all their own it's, it's stupid man it's stupid it's like a cult really and truly you can't say anything about the english referees because um they just reprimand you so yeah um like i said louise got sent off Neves got the penalty you knew he was going to score it it's 1-1 one, one. we're going into half time we've got all to do because now we were thinking about going on to win the game comfortably we've now got to think about damage limitation we had to make a change that we didn't want to we brought on Alex Lacazette we brought off Alex Lacazette I should say and we brought on uh, Gabriel and uh, straight after half time I have to give credit to Wolves because yeah you can say that uh, they were lucky they're lucky to still be in the game, really and truly. With the chances that we had, like I said, Saka in the post, Pepe in the post, the goal disallowed. We should really be 2 3 and up at this point. But listen, you can only beat what's in front of you. And the Wolves, they got the they got the winner literally straight after the interval. It was like less than five minutes in. Yeah, Martinho, it's an absolute banger. One of the goals of the season. Leno, no chance. We're 2 1 down. And at that point, I'd already accepted that we'd lost the game because I just didn't see how we were going to get back in the game. I could already see that our heads were gone, more or less, after what had happened. And yeah, it's about damage limitation. Uh, we went down to nine men. Leno, mate, what the hell was that? <laughs> I think he must have mid misjudged the flight of the ball where it was and he ends up handballing it outside the box. It's a straight red. You can't complain with it. We're down to nine to be fair to Arsenal, we did well to keep it at 2-1. But, yeah, man, Wolves were able to comfortably see out the game. There's not a lot I can say about the second half because, aside from the banger by Martinho, to be perfectly honest, not a lot else happened. Like, Runison made a good save when he came on. Fair play to him. He's had a tough time recently. Right at the end, Aubameyang might have gotten a half chance to score, but it was blocked. A good block. Cody and Saiz, of course, were switched on as they always are. <laughs> But yeah, back to my back to my halftime thoughts. Of course, like I said, we lost two one. Is what it is. 
yeah, as much as we got shafted, you're always liable for this sort of nonsense when you don't kill off a game, really and truly. That's what I've always learned. That's what I was taught. And uh, as much as we can be angry at the rest, we have to look at ourselves first and foremost because as harsh as it may sound, if we kill off the game, if we score the goals that we should have, then we wouldn't be talking about this because it wouldn't have happened, really and truly. We wouldn't have, we wouldn't have bottled it. Well, I can't. Well, it's, that's harsh to even call it bottling. I don't think we bottled it, but we let the we let the, we let the game slip away when we were in a commanding position. Those are the cold hard facts. When we're looking at this at the end of the season, looking at reasons why we won't have made top four, we can't just look at this game in isolation and say that the refs fucked us over. No, it's because we're dropping stupid points in the games I've mentioned, like the Burnleys, the Leicesters, the the Southamptons at home, uh, the Aston Villa when we got slapped. The two games against Wolves where we dropped six points. Man City where we were too timid. Liverpool where we got blown away. Uh, what else am I looking at? just want to look at our other results. Uh, let's see, Arsenal results. Crystal Palace where we were lucky to get a point, to be honest with you. We dropped too many silly points. Like We need to learn to get, to get one point when we don't deserve any and get all three. When was when uh, when it's a draw, we need to learn to convert to draws into wins and losses into draws if we want to be a serious top four team. But we don't do that. We don't do that enough. So it's a season of pain, to be honest. We're tenth in the table. Um, is there another game I wanted to reference before I get into this? I know I was talking about all of that, Burnley. I can't really say too much about Tottenham. Leeds again. A stupid red card. Like people were saying after the game, "Oh, do we need to address the discipline problem?" I don't think this was discipline in this game. I just thought that it's a little bit of luck. Well, being unlucky, but also sometimes madness just happens. Like football can be very stupid at times, and you just, you just have to deal with it. You just have to keep your emotions in check and just uh, deal with it as best as you can. But yeah, man, let's get into the player ratings. Leno, I have to give you a four because. I thought you had a decent game, but it's a dumb red card and it puts us in a lot of trouble going into Saturday against Aston Villa. Hector Bellerin, I'll give him a six. I thought he was solid. I thought he got forward well. Uh, Rob Holding, five. Like I said, he deserves equal, if not more, blame for Louise's sending off, in my opinion, because of everything I've said. Backing off when Pedence received the ball. Just going the wrong way, opening up loads of space for William Jose to run into and allowing Podence to play the easy pass. Like, it's just stupid. It's a ridiculous piece of defending. And this is why I can't rate holding too tough. Like, I can praise him. I praise and critique fairly, but when you make such basic errors like that, like, you have to be held to account. You have to be held to account because it's stupid. David Luiz, I always give him a five because I don't think he deserved this straight red. But, of course, it's the black mark against his name. It's third red card for Arsenal and uh, cost us the game, really and truly. Cedric, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be too harsh on the players. I thought Cedric, second half, he got destroyed. Got destroyed, really and truly. Got destroyed, but I give him a five because it's not exactly his fault. Of course, when Pepe came, Pepe was playing initially for the first hour and he was supporting him. He was helping him defensively, but when we decided to put a Bamiyang on, he lost that support. So, I give him a five because uh, Adama gave him hell. Partey and Xhaka both get sevens. I thought when we were on top, when we were in control of the game, they were very good. They were probably our, they were probably our best two players, to be honest with you. Well, aside from the goal scorer. Saka, I'll give him a seven. I know he missed a good chance, but once again, all the things I, wa I want to see from him. Consistency. 
he brings it in abundance. He's a very consistent player with his performances. And once again, it was a very solid game for him. I know it was a little bit tough for him once we went down to 10, but he tried, man. He tried to do a team when we went down to 10 and then 9. I can't really say too much. Emil Smith-Rowe, I'd give him a 6. I thought he was good when we went top, but naturally, when we went down to 10 and then 9, he was having to do most of the pressing because uh, Lacazette had come off. So I'll give him a six. I thought it's not really his fault. Pepe, I'll give him an A, actually. I thought he was our man of the match. He was unlucky to come off because he was playing really well. And, uh, yeah, recently his performances have been very consistent. Of course, he didn't get the goal he probably deserved against Manchester United, being our best player then. But he's got a wonderful goal. And uh, I suppose he had to come off because uh, we wanted to bring Aubameyang off. In hindsight, maybe he shouldn't have because he was helping Cedric out defensively. But... Uh, you live and learn, you live and learn. Lacazette, I give him a five or four. Um, tried to get in the game, but obviously I can't really say too much because he came off at the break. The subs all get fives. Gabriel, Bamiang, Renison all get fives. And uh, yeah, my final thoughts. You're always liable to nonsense when you don't take your chances. Like I said, when you get clear-cut chances in the game, you have to take them. And um, you need to be introspective about how games go. You need to look at yourself first and what you could have done before you start blaming external external factors. So, like I said, you can look and say we're shafted, you can feel aggrieved, but ultimately, if we'd taken our chances and put in the game to bed, none of that would have happened. So, it depends how you want to look at the game. It depends whether you want to look at it with a victim mentality, but I don't like doing that because... It doesn't get you anywhere. It just get it just makes you more angry about the game when you really shouldn't be. We really we just need to firm this L and move on to Villa, really and truly, because we can't feel sorry for ourselves. If we want to get top four, then we have to respond immediately. We can't let this uh, victim mindset. We can't have this on our mind going into the weekend and, and allow it to affect top performance levels when we should remember how well we were playing up until the mad the madness, the mazzoline happened. So yeah, firm DL, move on to Villa. That's all you can do now, really. Focus on how well we're playing and everything that happened after the red card is what it is, man. Like, just forgive yourself and move on. Um, What else? We love making games harder than they need to be. This is a general point. And uh, the dog solo, denying obvious goal-scoring opportunity is bullshit. It's absolute bullshit. Like, it doesn't account for intent and accidental fouls which I think is stupid because all fouls are subjective so please address that obviously I'm not going to say that uh, oh, there's an agenda against Arsenal because there is no agenda against Arsenal every team gets shafted every team gets shafted once twice three times a season so today was our turn well this day was our turn so yeah Wolves to Arsenal one very disappointing result but Got a big game at the weekend. Got to pick ourselves up, move on. We're going to be missing some key players once again. And uh, yeah, man, we can't dwell on it. We can't dwell on it. What's what's done is done. I know Arsenal fans are still hurting, but me personally, until recording this right now, really, I hadn't been thinking about the game because what's the point, man? I can't come and kill myself for all of this bullshit. So is why it is, man. We're going to drop more points towards the end of the season. So just accept it, man. Just accept it. Let's move on to the Villa preview. So, globally, Deadline Day was a little bit underwhelming, to tell the truth. Obviously, you had Liverpool bringing in the two centre-halves. 
was on Gavak from Schalke and uh, Glenn Davis from Preston. They obviously loaned out to Kumi Minamino to Southampton. Josh King went to Everton. Aside from that, not really too many noteworthy deals to talk about. From an Arsenal perspective, we did we did quite a bit of business. All outgoings on deadline day, of course. The main ones will be Mustafi, Maitland, Nouds and Willock. But before we talk about those three, let's get into some of the, the other guys that went on, on loan. Some of the Haylenders, of course. Um, Zach Medley, who spent the first half of the season on loan in Gillingham, has gone to the Scottish Premier League and has joined Kilmarnock on loan to the end of the season. Matt Smith was doing well at Swindon. Game time has been dwindling over the past month or so, so his loan has been terminated there. And he's joined fellow League One side Charlton until the end of the season, I believe. Uh, Joseph Olawu from the under-23s, of course, he spent most of 2020 out in in Ireland at Cork. He's gone on loan to Wealdstone in the National League South, I think. Yeah, aside from that, yeah, let's get into some of the main guys. So... Actually, another one, James Olyinka staying at South End. That's the last one I wanted to talk about. So, yeah, let's get into the main ones, of course. We're going to start off with Mustafi. His time Arsenal's finally come to an end, of course. I mentioned that Ozan Kabak has gone to Schalke. I mean, gone to Liverpool from Schalke on loan with an option to buy, I believe. And Mustafi has taken his place there. Of course, they needed a replacement for him. He's joined them on a six-month deal until the end of the season. Contract has been terminated, and uh, yeah, Edu and Arteta had a few words to say about it. They said, well, Edu said, we thank Musti for his contribution to Arsenal, which has spanned four and a half years, more than 150 appearances, 151 to be exact, and a prominent role in two FA Cup wins. Everyone associated with the club wishes Musti and his family the very best wishes for the next chapter in his career. And the manager, Mikel Arteta, said, Musti has been a key player for us for a long period of time. He played a very important role in my first season as manager and I'd like to thank him for his professionalism and always being ready when called upon. Everybody at Arsenal wishes Musti well at Schalke. And obviously, being at Schalke, he'll be with, uh, he'll be with his teammate, Ser Kolasinac, there. Both there to the end of the season. Of course, Mustafi, we are no longer associated with him and Kolasinac. Depending on what happens with Schalke at the end of the season, they're likely going to get relegated. Kolasinac will be here, probably be moved on permanently in the summer. So, yeah, goodbye to Mustafi. You gave me many nightmares, so I'm glad to see the back of you, mate. Uh, the other two ones, uh, Maitland Nows, of course, there were lots of rumours about where he go to Southampton, when he go to Leicester, when he go to Newcastle. Well, he's actually ended up at West Brom alone. They're the only team that actually showed interest in wanting to play him in his preferred midfield role. That's something he's been... He's not made any secrets or bones about, so this is a good chance for him to showcase his level as a midfield in the Premier League. Of course, he still got done very late on in the window. He's become West Brom's fifth signing of this window. Of course, they signed uh, Robert Snodgrass, Andy Lonergan, Okayo Kuzlu, and Mbaidian. So, yeah, it's a very good loan move for him, of course. He's also trying to fight to be in the squad for the Euros, assuming it goes ahead in the summer. And uh, what did Edu and Arteta have to say about it? They said, well, Edu said, We wish Ainsley the best of luck for his time with West Bromwich Albion. 
he deserves the opportunity to play consistently, which is what he needs for his club and international career ambitions, and we fully, and we fully support him with that. Mikel Arteta said, sorry, people, Ainsley is a very talented player and we're proud of his hard work and development with us. This isn't to go on loan to West Bromwich Albion for the rest of the season, it's to support Ainsley and his growth further. He'll be working at a very good club in the Premier League and we all wish him the best of luck during his time at the Hawthorne. And of course, West Brom, they're in a relegation dogfight. They need, they need to start picking up points sooner rather than later. And uh, being on the Sam Allardyce, being in that sort of environment, high-pressure environment, he'll learn a lot there. So hopefully, I hope he does well there. I'm not sure if he's... Well, I'm very much on the fence about whether his long-term future lies at Arsenal. Personally, I think this uh, relationship will probably need a divorce in the immediate to medium-term future. But yeah, as for West Brom, they're 19th in the Premier League. And yeah, like I said, they need to stop picking up points sooner rather than later. And the final the final player to talk about in terms of uh, a loan move away is Joe Willock. Now, Joe Willock... He's found minutes hard to come by this season. Of course, he made 44 appearances in all competitions last season. But this season, is like there have been times where he's played well in the Europa League and gotten his chance in the Premier League, and he hasn't really taken it really and truly. So, and I think he's at the stage in his career where, where in terms of being a midfield player, he doesn't really have a defined role. Are you a box to box man? Are you a, are you a ten like Arteta and Emery have played you? What are you? What are you really and truly? And hopefully being at Newcastle, being with Steve Bruce in the system they play, hopefully it should help him find some clarity. It should, yeah, it should develop clarity over what his true midfield role is. Personally, I think he's an eight. I think he's a box-to-box man that can drive with the ball, be a, be a, goal, a goal threat, good ball carrier. He needs to polish up technically, and I hope being at Newcastle will help with that. Of course, he's going to be alongside uh, the likes of John Joe Shelby in midfield. Uh, of course, another gunner, Isaac Hayden, to help him acclimatise to to the north. And, yeah, man, again, he's someone that I'm not too sure that his long-term future lies at Arsenal, really, and truly, but you never know. He could have a, he could have an amazing loan at Newcastle, and, we'd be, and we could be reviewing this in the summer saying that okay he's ready to really fight for a first team spot here at Arsenal Football Club. So what did uh what did Edu and Arteta have to say about that? I think Edu said Joe is a talented young player and an important member of our first team squad. This can be seen in the number of appearances he has made for us in recent seasons. At this stage in his of his career we've decided together with Joe that will benefit his development greatly to enjoy a loan period playing regular first-team football. We thank our counterparts at Newcastle United for their collaboration and we wish Joe all the best with his loan move. So, yeah, alongside needing to develop and really establish what his defined role is in the midfield, he just also needs minutes. Minutes are currency. Minutes are how you develop and how you improve as a footballer and hopefully you'll come back a dramatically a better player. So... Just like Ainsley Maitland now, it's all the best to Joe Willock out in uh, up in the north. Uh, I think Arteta also said, um, Joe is a young player with great ability. He's progressing very well and we're happy with his continued development. At this moment in his career, Joe needs to be playing regularly. At Newcastle United, 
he's going to a very good club with a top quality manager and stuff. We wish we all wish Joe the very best at Newcastle until the end of the season. So yeah, it's not really much else for me to say about that, really and truly. So let's go to the next section of the pod. So a quick one before we get into the Aston Villa Arsenal preview, obviously. Uh, a couple of days ago, there was a report from, well, there was a story in the BBC that uh, UEFA were in talks with both Arsenal and Benfica to move our tie to a neutral venue because of the quarantine rules in well, both Portugal and England. Obviously, if we travel there, then we have to quarantine for 10 days and the same would apply for Benfica if they were to come to England and have to go back. So... Given how how close together the two legs are, of course, you play them a week after each other, it'll be impossible to do that. So um, they're in talks. Well, a report has come out today from The Independent, but I'm having to look on... Uh, where am I looking on? Again, on the BBC now. But yeah, basically what they're saying is that uh, our tie not only will be moved to a neutral venue, but it could also be made one leg. So... If I just look at what it says here on the independent, it's just not loading. I'm gonna to have to look on this on the BBC. Um, apologies, people. Actually, let's go on Ask Blog to look at this. Yeah, so let's see. Ask Blog are saying one of ties a possibility when Arsenal face Benfica. Arsenal's Europa League. Last 32 clash with Benfica could become a one-off tie rather than a two-legged affair as the club struggled to find a solution to the issues caused by COVID-19 travel restrictions. Last week, it was reported that the Gunners had asked Benfica to move the, new- the Lisbon leg to a neutral venue outside of Portugal after the UK government impo- imposed a mandatory 10-day quarantine period for anyone returning from the country. While UEFA's rules state the responsibility to sort the problem lies with Benfica, which seems a tad harsh if you if you ask us, the Press Association has confirmed that they also allowed the administration to assign an, an alternative venue for any particularly, particular match or even to decide that either or both legs of the relevant round to be rescheduled and or played in a neutral country within the territory of the UEFA Member Association and or organised as a single leg. It's not clear at this point whether Arsenal have a preference for what happens next, but you could understand why a one-off game might be appealing, given the amount of football we've got in this month. Presumably, there'll be an update sooner rather than later. The two, the two ties, the two ties are scheduled to take place on the 18th and 25th of February, respectively. So, yeah, in essence, I can see why a one-off game would would uh, appeal to us. And obviously, we're already out of the FA Cup, so I suppose the fixture list, the schedule is a bit has been a bit alleviated already. You look at the fixture we've got coming up, of course, uh, the Wolves game, which I've already talked about, um, Aston Villa tomorrow, um, Leeds next weekend. Obviously, depending on what UEFA decide, then the Europa League tie with Benfica. Manchester City, again, Benfica to us if there are two legs. And then after that, um, after that, is it Leicester away? I think it's Leicester away after that. So, yeah, we got a lot of, not just, just not just a lot of games, but we got a lot of tricky games coming up. So, I can see why Arsenal would advocate for a situation like this. Obviously, 
yeah, the circumstances are a bit uh, annoying, and obviously, the further we go in the Europa League, we don't we don't want to have to keep on experiencing this and keep having to have our ties move to neutral venues because it is a bit of a it, not a hindrance. It's a bit of a what's the word I'm looking for? It's a bit of an inconvenience, really and truly, because we don't know where we're traveling. We're only getting the news with relative short notice, so you'd prefer to have that clarity over where you're going your travel arrangements, all your hospitality arrangements before the game, you prefer to not have to worry about that. So, yeah, hopefully now, hopefully UEFA can resolve this sooner rather than later. I wouldn't mind if it was one leg, although it would put a bit more pressure on us because there's no there's no margin for error. If we lose, we're out. So, yeah, we need to be switched on, we need to be spot on if we want to go far in the Europa League and try and win it really and truly. So... Yeah, that's all I have to say on that. Now, let's get into uh, the last part of this uh, main section, which will be the Aston Villa Arsenal preview. All right, so on to the preview for Saturday's game. And like I said, before we get into everything, we need to pick ourselves up after the disappointing result on uh, Tuesday night. Uh, we, we can't feel sorry for ourselves. If we allow that to trickle over into this game, we will lose. We will lose, and uh, Villa will be looking to respond after their disappointing 3-1 defeat to West Ham last night in the time of recording. Of course, Jesse Lingard scored twice in his debut for West Ham. And yeah, yeah, man. Uh, before we get into the tactical notes, let's just go with some uh, stats. So any result for Villa in this game will extend their unbeaten run against us in the Premier League to three games. Their numbest run of such since March to December. 2008 when they won one and drew drew two in that time span. Um, Arsenal have failed to score in their last two meetings against Aston Villa. The only current Premier League side in which they have a longer Barrett run against is Manchester City. So we need to put that right in this game. If you don't score, you don't win. And finally, Aston Villa have never done the double against over Arsenal in the Premier League season. So don't let that start now like we let Wolves do the double over us don't let another team do it so yeah on to the tactical notes um so when we lost to them 3-0 back back in the day um we got battered like that was probably our worst performance all season uh yeah we just let Villa do a number on us really and truly we let them come to our yard and absolutely destroy us they scored an early goal which was disallowed by VAR didn't learn the early lessons we didn't take the warning signs from it and we just let them score the three goals so yeah things from that game we let cash and target get too much joy down the wings Bellerin and Holding got targeted by Grealish and Barkley so if we're going to have any chance of uh, nullifying their threats, we can't allow them to do a similar job on us again. Uh, from the game against West Ham, you could see how suspect Emi Martinez was for all three goals. So, again, at home, we didn't test Emi enough. So, this time, we need to test him some more. We need to send some shots his way because uh, we can maybe get a goal or two because of his uh, weak shot stopping. Uh, Mings and Konsa can be a little rash at times, so we need to try and get at them, depending on who starts. I have a feeling that Bamiyan might go up front for this game, you know, just to try, just to try and uh, stretch them a little bit more. But, uh, yeah, Louise and Doug, Douglas Louise and John McGinn, very good midfield players, very good in that engine room. We can't allow them to take control of the midfield again, because otherwise we'll get... Uh, We'll just get flung around like a like a rag doll again. So yeah, 
Oli Watkins, he's got he's found his scoring touch again. He scored twice at the Emirates in that game, obviously. Pay attention to him. Pay attention to him. Rob Holding, presumably Gabriel alongside him. Pay attention to him because you, you let yourselves down in that first game. So, yeah. And game management. We didn't learn from the early warning signs the first game against Villa, like I said. And we don't need another reminder of what happens when you let a game slip away from you after that calamity on Tuesday night. So... Yeah, people, there's not a lot I can say about this game because I just sound like a broken record at this point. All the things I want to see from Arsenal, I've been screaming them from the longest. Every episode, you hear me saying the same things and I'm tired of saying it. If you want to be consistent, team, then I shouldn't have to say these things all the time. So, yeah, man. Yeah, man, before we get into Saliba Watch, let's just go with the predicted 11. So, I'm going to go with... um, well, sounds from what I'm hearing, it sounds like it's going to be Runison in goal because Matt Ryan's not in training just yet. Hector Bellerin, Holding, Holding, Gabriel and Cedric. Defence kind of picks itself. Partey and Xhaka. Nicola Pepe deserves another start. Uh, Martin Odegaard, I think, might come in for a start, first start because Emil Smith-Rowe has been looking a little leggy. Uh, I, I did initially go with Aubameyang and the Lacazette, but you know, I'm going to change it. I'm going to go with uh, Saka on the right, Odegaard in the 10, Pepe on the left again, and I'm going to go with Aubameyang through the middle. I think I just want to stretch him a bit more. I want a bit more pace in the team. And he's not like as it was poor against Wolves, but he just didn't really get in the game. Same against Manchester United. He struggled to really get in the game. So let's go with our captain up front for this one. And let's, let's, try and, uh, let's kind of freshen up a bit, even though we've been playing well that uh, second half against Wolves aside. So, yeah, man. We need to get back to winning ways. Uh, this is um, after this game. We'll have a bit of a break before Leeds, and we'll probably find out more about when our Europa League game is being played. So let's go to Villa Park. Let's just erase the memories of Tuesday night. What's done is done, and let's just try and bounce back swiftly. Try and get three points. In fact, you should use that to fuel you and drive you on to make sure that uh, you remember now that. Uh, we played well, but put the game to bed. Finish it off, take your chances, and then we can uh, manage the game out uh, as appropriate. So let's try and uh, bounce back. Let's try and get full three points, people. So, yeah, that's all I have to say on the Villa game. And uh, before we get into, uh, well, before we end this pod, let's get into hashtag Saliba Watch. All right, so let's end off with Saliba Watch and uh, Nice were playing in the derby against uh, their rivals, uh, Ice Monaco, away from home. Again, another another L on the road. Monaco two, Nice one, a double from Ben Yedda, uh sandwiched by uh, Pierre Limelou, equaliser right right after the interval. But in this game, I can't lie, I struggled to watch the game because um, my stream was just moving dodgy. So. <laughs> So I tried to do my best with this one. Basically, the main talking points I have from this game. Um, uh, so I think the the major t- the main talking point going into this one is that Nice switched formation to a four three three. Of course, uh, since Saliba joined, they had been playing with the three four three of sorts. But after that defeat against Santigen on uh, Sunday, they decided to switch for, to a four three three. And Saliba was alongside um, uh, his new teammate, Jean-Claire Tadibo, on loan from Barcelona, of course. I'm not sure what happened with his loan at Benfica. Presumably, that got 
terminated because of a lack of game game time. But yeah, he is now at Nice now. So those two um were playing alongside each other for the first time. I can't lie, Nice started the game brightly, to be fair to them. I thought they were looking solid defensively. Saliba and Tadibo were getting uh were seeing a lot of the ball, they're passing it out well. But then Monaco started to go into the game and from then on Nice didn't really have an answer for when Monaco really started to to uh, stick it on them and the breakthrough came on the 26 minute mark when Dan and Doy, I'm not sure what the hell this guy was doing but he just brings down Caio Henrique very cheaply in the box, it's a penalty, Benyeda puts it away, it's 1-0. Goes into half time, not a lot to talk about really and truly because Monaco were in control of the game again. I thought Saliba's passing wasn't as crisp as normal, but defensively he was doing all right, man. But he wasn't. Um, ben Yedda and Volan weren't really getting a lot of joy against him and Tadibo in particular. I know it was a bit difficult for them when Tadibo and Pelmar got bookings, and uh, yeah, they tried to exploit that, tried to run at them a bit more, but they were coping with it. They were coping with it fairly well, to be fair to them. And yeah, like I said, straight after the break, Nice. Um, He's got an equaliser from a corner from when it was kind of like a pinball ricochet and uh, Pierre-Li Melu ended up equalising from it. And uh, that was the moment where Nice need, really needed to settle down, but they didn't. They they let Monaco score again, like, eventually within five minutes later. Ben Yedder ended up being the winner. And I can't lie, it's not a lot for me to say about the game because I don't think Saliba did too badly. But uh, again, when you lose, there's only so much I can say about your performance and the rating I can give. But I have to cap it, really and truly. So, uh, for Wheeler, I give him a six in this game. I thought he was decent enough. But, yeah, man, I think... For me, the problem with um, with the game was more just Nice in general. They're just a very poor side. They struggle to create chances. They struggle to retain the ball. They just... I do worry for them that they're going to get dragged into a relegation battle, really and truly, because they're a very poor side. They're a very poor side. And if they don't sort their shit out sooner rather than later, then they're going to get sucked into that relegation battle. So... Yeah, unfortunately, Monaco 2, Nice 1 is how it ended at the Stade Louis. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's all I've got to say in this episode, to be honest with you. So, as always, I hope hope you've enjoyed this. Again, it's a little bit of a long one, but it is what it is, isn't it? Um, I'll be back again next Friday because uh, for once we don't have a midweek game so I'll be back again next Friday to preview the Leeds game and then review the Aston Villa game so yeah, it's all from me I hope you've enjoyed it I hope you enjoy uh, the rest of your day whenever you're listening to this and uh, yeah, that's all from me people I'm out man, I'm out peace
Fuck with them up the street. Free TG, free T's. Stuck in a box, got a job complete.